Hey guys, welcome to the January 2017 version of Watermark's Equipping Webinar. My name is Nathan, and I'm one of your hosts. My other host is Nika Spalding. Hey guys, happy Friday the 13th. I hope you stay indoors tonight. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean by that, Nika? Theologically, there's a decaphobia or something like that. It's the fear of the number 13, so it just got random. I don't think it pronounced that right. It's like Triska deca something phobia. Fake it till you make it, right? I'm saying it comes from the Latin of fear of Friday the 13th. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Nike's here, director of women's equipping and curriculum and co host of the webinar, and happy to be joining you guys on this uh, balmy Friday morning. And then sitting to my left, Miss Mrs. Sylvia Bateman. You can just call me Sylvia, though. All right, fair enough. We're, we're close enough friends. <laughs> yeah, my name's Sylvia Bateman. I am the stewardship coordinator, and so that means some some fun things like Money Wise, which is coming up next week, and um, other stewardship items as well. That's awesome. And then we also have Rob Berry is sitting across from me. Yes. He's he's. I, I believe it's Sir Rob Berry. It is Sir I think Rob Berry. Knighted. There's a little bit of like a there's like a there's a myth around Rob Berry around here. Yes, there's a, it's not like a legendary fake halo. Fake, fake halo. Yeah. <laughs> um, Rob is kind of a legend around here, but uh, he is the married community director at the Plano campus for Watermark. And he also, on a personal note, you were also Margaret and I's merge leader, you and your yes. wife, Leslie. That which was is, back in the day. Which is our premarital ministry that is, here. That's right. Yeah. So we'll plug that as well. Yeah. You, I'm kind of a legend here because I usually make bad mistakes here. <laughs> <laughs> I usually end up pushing all the chips in and swimming in the pond for 50 weeks out of the year. And I'm also kind of the proverb 17. You know, you can either learn from God's word or a hundred lashes to a fool <laughs> and pain has been my tutor more than once. Love it. Um, over the last decade. So it's great to be with you. I'm up at the Plano campus now and yeah, I get to oversee community and connecting. So helping people connect there. And as we all know, if you've been around for a while, the hard thing is staying connected to those same people because mm. relationships are hard. So yeah, great yeah. to be with you guys. Yeah. As we were reminded on a retreat that community is a, is a beating, I mean, a, a blessing. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Today's all about the church, which is a great thing to talk about since we work for a church. So yeah. So, but before we assume too much about what this word is, because I think it's a word sometimes maybe pregnant with meaning and maybe people mean different things. Sometimes people say church and what they imagine is a building down the road or they say church and they think of a group of people. And so Nathan, why don't you just kick us off by just answering the simple question or maybe, maybe simple question, but complex answer. What is the church? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, that's the, it's the right question to start off with because there are so many misconceptions about what the church is. Probably the biggest one you mentioned is that people think, oh, well, the church is a building you go to. So even the way we talk to our family or friends a lot of times is, hey, I'm going to church, mm-hmm. which which betrays our misunderstanding. You know, that that's that uh, shows that we just aren't thinking rightly about it. So I think it, it's the right thing to talk about. And what is the church and in order to do that in talking about what does the Bible say about the church? How did we get this term? How did they think about it when the authors of the text penned scripture? And and I think to, to even ask that question, there needs to be an understanding about what type of culture the church came out of. And so I would I would reference you to, uh, to a book by Joe Hellerman, who's a pastor in California, who wrote a book called When the Church Was a Family. And the subtitle there is Recapturing Jesus's Vision for Authentic Christian Community. 
And, and uh, a lot of the stuff I'm about to talk about um, is stuff that, that he mentions in this book. I, it is well worth the time and effort for you to read that. So, but in the, in when the church was a family, he talks about the difference between a weak group and a strong group culture. So think in your minds about like the movie Titanic In the Titanic, this woman is engaged to this, you know, total jerk who nobody likes. Um, and yet she's engaged to him primarily because her family needs her to marry him. And then she gets on the Titanic and she meets this fun Jack. <laughs> Say no more. Yeah, Leonardo exactly. DiCaprio. Yeah. Heart emojis in the Nike's eyes. Right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, in every woman's <laughs> yeah, eyes. But she meets this Jack. She meets Jack on the boat, and you know the rest of the time you're rooting for her to go with the guy who is the worst possible option for her family. For her family, you know? right, yeah. And the whole time there's this tension between her mom and her in the movie that's like, hey, I know your heart is over there, but I need you to do this. And we watch that movie and it strikes such a deep chord with us because we live in a in a weak group culture, right? We're, we're high individualism and low group, right? So right, we're rooting for her individual love exactly. and not thinking about the good of the family totally, unit totally. and what yeah. Be free, break away from the bonds of your of your oppressive family right. who need you to do this over here in order to maintain their health, right? And break away from all that to do what's right for you. And that's I mean that marks our culture. Um, so in a weak group culture, the preference of each individual takes priority over the good of the group, right? You you're you're just it's all about you. Um, however, the the opposite of that is a strong group culture, and in the strong group culture, the good of the group always takes preference over, or priority over the good of the individual. And so, what's crazy is the New Testament, and really, frankly, the entire ancient world, <laughs> for the most part, it was a strong group culture. And so, the New Testament is written out of a strong group culture where they would watch the Titanic and look at. Rose. What's Rose? Yeah, there you go. Sorry. I, I got some you, help. man. Thank yeah. you. Celine Dion sang the song. Oh, yeah. They all dying in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got that. Yeah. Anyway. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. <laughs> anyway, if you haven't seen that movie, it's 20 years ago. But <laughs> anyway, they're looking at Rose going, I can't believe that Jack is even an option for you. Right. Like that would not even have like crossed their mind. you know. And her immaturity and continuing to totally, flirt with something. Totally. that Yeah. So you take a Westerner in a wheat group culture exactly. watching the movie, cheering on Rose. You take uh, maybe an ancient Near Easterner, pluck them out of the context yeah. of the New Testament. And they're going, are you kidding me? Yeah. She's irresponsible. She's unfaithful to her family. And so it's a very interesting. It's a very American it's movie. A, it, yeah. No doubt about it. And still in the modern Near East. I mean, they're they're still very strong group cultures. Um and can I just, for the record, yeah. I think Sylvie and I are probably both think, thinking the same thing along with some of our listeners, which is we're a little disturbed by how much you guys know and celebrate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Rob, you'll continue to be disturbed the more we get to I know, know right? each other. I, I'm assuming this, I'm just on the wrong team. But. <laughs> That's awesome. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. We'll receive yeah. that disturbance. That's tight. But but yeah, there, there was a guy that's written quite a bit on culture, and um, his name's uh, Clifford Gertz. He said this: uh, individualism is is a rather peculiar idea within the context of the world's cultures. So you have to understand, like, we're so deeply ingrained in individualism that we um, to even challenge that idea almost seems uh, an attack on our identity. You know, like whoa. it's un-American. It's yeah, and it's then therefore un-Christian. And some yeah, we sometimes confuse <laughs> yeah, the two and yeah, exactly. forget that that's a whole other. The roots of Christianity really did come from a strong group culture, yep, and so no 
Um, yeah. So it's ahead. a so, but I say that to just say like we you need to th you need to switch your perception in your mind because the presupposition that individualism is the highest end and that we should view everything through that is a fairly new idea in the history of humankind. And so, yeah, we start there. But in a strong group culture, and I would say this in, as far as just principle number one on strong group culture is in the New Testament, the again, I've mentioned this already, but in the New Testament world, the group always took priority over the individual. So you ask like, hey, what would it have been like to walk around with Jesus in Palestine in the first century? Well, it would have looked like a very strong group culture. I mean, you're making decisions based on family. You're, a lot of their you know, traditions were family-oriented, and, and not even just family-oriented, but the whole people as a whole oriented. Um, there's plenty of evidence in this in ancient texts that clearly shows that this was the case. I don't have time to go into them now, but one of them that's, that I, I would mention is 2 Maccabees. It's a, you can look it up on you know, Bible Gateway or whatever, but 2 Maccabees chapter 7 is a great example of that strong group culture. Principle number two, in the New Testament world, a person's most important group was his blood family. So it wasn't if if someone married into that family, that person who married in, while extremely important, was not as important as blood was. And so it was a, a patriarchal, yeah. the, the bloodline passed through the male. Yeah, we see this very strongly in sort of you know, you see Judah has a son and he's supposed to give Tamar a, a child and he dies. And so then Onan is supposed to fulfill right. this role and yep. be incredibly loyal to his brother, even though his brother's dead, yep. knowing full well that if he has this, this child with Tamar, then the child becomes the heir of his older brother. And we see Onan failing to uphold his family, right. his family values. He's putting and, himself above his, above his family. family. And, yep. and we see God very strongly strike Onan down yep. going, no, 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 family right. is what's a priority here. And so um, and we see that in Genesis. Yeah, it's a great example. And then principle number three, so I alluded to this, but in, in the New Testament world, the closest family bond was not the bond of marriage. It was the bond between siblings. So it was bro and primarily brother to brother right, and, and brother to sister. but. Um, and so the deepest betrayal was not adultery or cheating by your spouse. It was if a brother betrayed you. That was the highest Ed too, betrayal. Bro? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. And and also and also you, Brutus, like it's talking about Caesar being assassinated. But um, so so Jesus has this radical concept that we see in uh, Mark chapter three, I believe, yes. um, where. He says in verses 31 through 35, he said, then Jesus's mother and his brothers arrived. So he, Jesus is in this compound. He's with his disciples. He's probably teaching. Um, they, they arrive and standing outside, they sent someone in to call him. A crowd was sitting around him and they told him, your mother and your brothers are outside looking for you. And Jesus answered, who are my brothers and my mother? He asked. Then he looked at those seated in a circle around him and said, here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. It's real easy to read passages like that and just like skim over it because you're like, OK, well, whatever. I mean, mm, there, there yeah. you go. Because, again, we're looking at it through a, a weak group culture. But in a strong group culture, that statement is crazy <laughs> and they're almost blasphemy almost yeah, betrayal totally of the highest yeah, yeah of the highest degree of no no she actually gave birth to you like what yeah, are you saying yeah. right now and in fact another place jesus uh, a woman in a crowd cries out to him and says hey blessed is the woman who birthed you mm -hmm. and nursed you and jesus said no rather blessed is the one who does the will, will of my God. father yeah. right that so he's and here's jesus's radical concept 
is he is redefining the family. That's what's going on in in Jesus's ecclesiology or in his concept of what the church is, these called out ones. He's calling them out of loyalties to their bloodlines. And he's saying, no, there's a higher loyalty above your bloodlines. And it's and it's a spiritual bloodline. He's spiritualizing the stronger culture to say, no, actually, it's not your nuclear bloodline family that's the most important. It's the family of God that's the most important. And that was a crazy radical concept. He even said in Matthew 23, verse 8, where he's talking, he says, don't let anybody call uh, call you teacher and Lord, because there's only one teacher and you're not him. You know, But he says a real interesting statement. He says, don't let anybody call you teacher um, or Lord, because there's only one teacher and you are all brothers. Right. So he's he's establishing the relationship of Christians as siblings, um, brothers and sisters, which is the the deepest loyalty in the family in a strong group culture was was um, within uh, that blood bond family relationship. So, you know, what's interesting just on my end where I get to see I get to jump in a lot of living rooms with believers who are in conflict with each other. And, you know, um, I hear this all the time. Hey, my priorities are God. My family, yeah, that's right. you know, and they go through that. And, and what happens is, is practically they, they won't get in a room with another believer that they're upset at. Mm-hmm. And because they don't have time, because they're prioritizing yeah. all these things. And, yep. and you just have to reset the table and go, hey, no, no, no. And I'll just open it straight to Mark three and go, do you understand? This is your family. Yep. So if that really Love is your it. priority list. Mm-hmm. You you need to redefine in your mind right. what Jesus says about this is your brother. Yep. So so you you need to make time for them. Yep. Yep. And everything else, what you just told me, your own pecking order, work comes after your family. Yep. Yep. And so just and so I think for a lot of people, the light bulb just goes off and goes, okay, am I really going to believe what Jesus says about family, mm-hmm. or am I going to just keep running my offense? So I think practically on my end, this concept of family and redefining family is at the forefront for me because it, it people have misprioritized relationships big time. Oh, it's yeah. huge. huge. So I mean, we, Nika, yeah. why, don't you, why don't you walk us through like what, given the strong group culture that the new Testament is, is written out of, yeah. like what does that mean for the church? Today? Yeah, absolutely. And so uh, first thing is Jesus obviously taught in parables, he's taught in stories and he can use a lot of different structures as a metaphor for his church. And yet we see that he uses this strong unit of the family. Um, and we also see Paul carrying this forward. I mean, so you no longer hear the nation of Israel, the nation becomes a church, and you hear Paul, hey, brothers, sisters, the one another, they become paramount to what it means to walk out in our faith. And so um, that becomes the model. So just like you're saying, Rob, I mean, that is such, that is a theological truth that whether you live in America or the Middle East, we need to start recognizing all believers really are brothers and sisters and take priority in that. And that, so that becoming a huge priority to, you can't really divide God and God's family. I mean, they really come together as a unit. And so we once heard our, our boss Blake Holmes talk about, um, and he loves it when I call him boss. Uh, but he was talking about, you know, just the, if he were to marry his wife is Rebecca and he's thinking about, you know, if he got engaged to Rebecca and he's like, Hey, listen, Rebecca, I love you, but I really don't want anything to do with your family. And I think sometimes we, we think of like, well, I love God, but, and then I love my nuclear family, but you know, all the people in the church, they kind of fall by the wayside. And it's kind of like, no, 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 God, God adopted all of us as brothers and sisters. So they're now your big dysfunctional family that you belong and you're a part of. And so we, I think you're right, Rob. We have to continue to place that at the forefront. And it's very unnatural for us. And so I think it's something we have to discipline ourselves to think. Um, 
The second thing is the New Testament ethics assume a strong group family values. I mean, you do see those one another's. It's assuming that you're going to care for each other. I mean, you see it through. I mean, you see the establishment of the church right away in Acts. And and the guy, and then you start seeing some of the widows, you know, the Jewish and the Hellenistic widows kind of going, hang on. It seems like there's a preference happening for one group over the other. And the church going, okay, we need to fix this. Yep. It wasn't like, hey, women, stop you bickering. We've got more important things to build the structure of the church. Instead, they said, Let's get competent men to become these these deacons here to love and serve these women and, and, and these widows. And you start to see, hey, we care for the orphan. We care for the widow. We care for everyone. And that's assumed in the New Testament ethic. Mm-hmm. And so um, yeah, because really, they're our family, they're not just the, they're not a stranger. They are our family. Totally. And you take care of your family. Yeah, I would say too, like the New Testament, really, when you come down to it, the New Testament doesn't make any sense at all if you read it through a weak group. Yeah, absolutely. Lens. Like you, it, it you, you run into a ton of yeah. There's no pick yourself up problems. by your bootstraps. I mean, there's no, 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 no um, yeah. try harder and you'll sort of push through or hey, on your own you can accomplish this feat. I mean, it's very much this understanding in the back of what we're doing that um, isolation will kill you. Yeah, <laughs> and so, I mean, it's worn throughout and we see it. But um, and then and then the third thing is just strong group values are deeply woven woven into the very fabric mm-hmm. of the gospel. And I think there's something especially as our, our culture moves into this postmodern culture and we're dealing with millennials and there is this desire to belong to something. Mm-hmm. And so many of us come from dysfunctional families. I think there's something really beautiful about the gospel where, I mean, we have the term, we are adopted into this. We are co-heirs with Christ. I mean, this, this familial language that I think is um, very inviting rather than this, uh, the transactional language is still gorgeous in terms of the righteousness. And there's a transaction on my account where I received his righteousness, but there's, that's one. That's what happens to, to my sin. But in terms of my identity, mm-hmm. I receive a new family, yeah, and that's yeah. very much a part of the gospel message. And so, like, I mean, like the passages we've already talked about, where you see Jesus on the cross, and he's he's dying. He looks at John, and he's like, "Hey, she's your mom now. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, you yeah. need to take care of her." And this care for each other as a family is is just so woven throughout. And I think it um, it benefits us as as ministers who are trying to reach out to those who are hurting and need the gospel. There's a real beauty in what we can offer them as, hey, you will be my brother and you will be my yep, sister and, yep. and we take care of our family. Yep. And so, yeah. But, Rob, you know, you said I loved what you said earlier because that's our next slide is just the priorities of we do see in Western evangelicals. We see God sort of first, which we know that's supposed to be true. And then we see my family, you know, so my unit of five and, mm-hmm. and then then God's family and then others. And what we're arguing for is we see with Jesus, it's more of God and his family. You can't really divorce the two then my family and then others. And so why don't you go ahead, you and Nate, go ahead and continue to unpack that. Cause I think that's important for, for everybody to understand. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's just, um, you know, and everybody, if you were to sit down with everybody and just said, what are your priorities? You know, you're in the army, you yeah. know, what, what were, you know, you hear, we always hear God core country, yeah, Marine yeah, Corps. What, yeah. what would it be for the army? What, what would they say? Yeah. Similar to mission, mission first mission trumps everything. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I, if you were to sit down with everybody, just go, okay, list your priorities. I think most people are going to start with, you know, whether they're whether they're just American or, you know, a Christian, they're going to start with God, you know, mm-hmm. and then family yeah. and then my my work mm-hmm. and then, you know, working out whatever falls that. But usually those are the first three. Yeah. And um, but but realistically, um, we don't live like that. Yeah. You know, we just don't. Right. So our work, gets 40, 50, 60 mm-hmm. hours a week, mm-hmm. you know, our family. And so um, I think it's just really good like while you were talking 
you know, I just kept thinking about Galatians, you know, where we're not defined by cultic law. You know, we're defined by the gospel. And so the Jew, Gentile, slave free, male free, right. you know, all that stuff, you know, but just, just how many times over in Galatians, and I don't know, I haven't counted them, but I would think six to eight, ten, Paul says brothers and sisters. Yeah. And, and so I just think how much Paul had to just probably remind them because it was probably so shocking. Yeah. And we just yeah. read right past brothers and sisters. Seriously. And I think when the Church of Galatia read that, they're they're like pulling the parking brake. Yeah. And just going, wait a minute, what did you, <laughs> what did you say? Just say? Like I just told you something really yeah. hard. Yeah. Hey, remind yourself your brother and sister. So just practically, you know, that's why, you know, when when Christian brothers and sisters in our neighborhood that we love, when um we're not good with each other. I mean, literally we clear the schedule mm-hmm. and it's not, when can we fit you in? It's, I'm sorry. It we, we need to, we need to cancel some other things. Yeah. And you know, you'll hear everything from, I, Hey, we can't miss this show. Right. Show on whatever AMC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just, and just, <laughs> yeah, it's you just know, a, they've been at TV yeah, like a decade right. ago, right? You gotta watch the bachelor. <laughs> right. You know, um, yeah. And so all that to say is we've got our just, I think we've just got to as the church and people, brothers and sisters of the scriptures, we have to just keep going, hey, practically, mm-hmm. I know you say that, but practically, do these relationships take precedent over even work? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think I think Jesus and Paul and his disciples, as Paul says, hey, imitate me as I imitate the Lord. Right. So whatever Paul is saying is what he's heard or seen or, you know, the Lord doing. We've got to We've got to be a people that clear our schedules and prioritize these relationships. Mm, that's great. That's great. Yeah. Uh, I think functionally, and we put on here Western evangelicals, I, I think that to Rob's point, there's kind of like God, which does not equal the church. Right. It's just right. like this. God. It's almost like God is like this nebulous out mm-hmm. there, something I have to nod my head at, you know, and then my nuclear family and then my work and my hobbies and whatever else I want. And really church, as we, as most people think about it, comes in a distant, 10th or whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, and I'm just, I can't emphasize this enough in Jesus's concept of the church. You cannot have God and not have the church. Those two things are inseparable. It it, it literally is like trying to get married to a woman and, and not having her, the family that she came from. Yeah. And we would all go, that's so dysfunctional. Like that something's not right with y'all if that's what you're trying to accomplish. And yet I think in a, we don't even, I mean, you're talking about even Galatians where we just kind of pass over these brothers and sisters words. Mm -hmm. Like we're like, Oh, that's just a cute title that I get to call Rob. Like you're my brother. And not think about like, no, like I, my own brother, I love him and mm-hmm. sacrifice for him and I'm there for him. Mm-hmm. And Paul is using the same word for you. And now I'm going, oh, wait, that's kind of a call on me. Like yeah, that's a different yeah, thing than a yeah, title. That's a, yeah. that's an expectation that comes but with But this it. is not like a, and I would also say from a biblical theology standpoint, this is not like, it's not like, oh, well, maybe I'll get around to it. Like it's optional. Like yeah. this is not optional. The, Jesus is describing something that is, it's a reality. He's describing the reality of, of what God has created in his new family, the the family of God. And so yeah, that's why, uh, you know, in the great commandment, right. And love your neighbors mm-hmm. yourself. Yep. You know, in Galatians six um, or Galatians five, you know, he just says he talks about the only rule that really matters, yep. which is loving your neighbors yourself. Yep. Yeah. And so it's inconsistent for whether it's 2000 years ago or today to go, hey, I love God, but I'm not. 
radically entwined with my brother. Yeah. That yeah. that concept yeah. has no place 2,000 no, years ago. Well, we yeah. see that progression. Yeah. You know, you see in the, the Gospels, you see Jesus going, hey, here's the commandment, love God, love your neighbor. And then mm. when Paul comes along, Paul's going, it's so implicit in the fact that you love God that it gets expressed as yeah. loving your neighbor. Yeah, and so right. he's going, hey, you that is, I mean, he's he's even elevating that command to going, it, it's assumed that be in loving your neighbor is coming out of a love of your God. And so that becomes, they become almost wed together in Paul's writing. Yep, yep. So what are, Nate, just kind of what are some of the implications? Of this? So we, we're talking about this strong group culture yep. and it obviously it, it's a little bit sandpapery against this individualistic yeah. kind of mindset that we're raised. No, it's a in lot all, sandpapery. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, it's like, it's like not the 220 <laughs> yeah. grit. It's like 40, you know, yeah, right. it takes a little skin off. And, that blesses uh, me. Yeah. You like that? It's a little <laughs> You need to know at home, I'm actually wearing safety goggles yeah. on my head. Micah strolled in here today and was like, well, I've been making some stuff <laughs> in my wood shop. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Safety first, guys. And yeah, right. so, but, uh, so what are some of those implications? Because I do think this has a practical outworking. It's one thing to say, okay, so you're telling me the church is my family. Mm. What does that mean? Yeah. So, why don't you walk us through that? Yeah, I'll move quickly through these and we'll get to some of the nuts and bolts. But I think the first thing is, is yeah, the church is a family. So your concept of church cannot um, be around a building. And I think we should even examine some of our language around this. I've started telling Nate because my, my son, cause he's like, hey, I want to go to church. And I've started to to even correct some of that language to say, hey, Nate, we're going to go where the church gathers. You know, like, well, let's go. Let's go to the place where the church gathers. And that's just that as a three year old, what I'm trying to do is shape in his mind, you know, away from some of that language to talk to where when he thinks about church, he he's automatically thinking of the relationships that exist within the people of God, because it's a family. That's what the church is. So it's not a business. It's it's not an organization. It's an organism. If you want to, that's a little pithy way to, to remember it. Secondly, um, Jesus calls us to relational commitment, not to institutionalism. So if Rob and I went to a different church, I would still be committed highly to my brother in Christ, even though like, you know, let's say you went to PCPC and I went to the village or something like we went, we go to two different institutional expressions of the local church, but we're still brothers. And so our highest end is never to be watermarkers. Like who cares about watermark? We're talking about the big C church. And then thirdly, Christians in my relational or my nuclear family, the people that I am in nu- nuclear family and my closest, like we would say watermark our community group. Those people remain my first priority among the people of God. This is a really important point because some people are asking like, well, dang, do I just toss my nuclear family out the window? You know? <laughs> yes. And, oh, wait, no. Yeah. <laughs> wait, what? <laughs> Not your fire. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and what we would say is um, what we would say is there's a level of priority. So if your nuclear family it, namely like your father and mother and your your blood brothers and sisters mm-hmm. are Christian, then those people in the close proximity uh, to you relationally, then then they become the most important people among the people of God. Right. However, we would say that um, if there's a mother or father or brother or sister who's like, hey, I am asking you to remain loyal to the Smith clan in this type of expression or behavior that's against what God would call you to then your loyalty, your highest priority is to the church first and then to your bloodline family. So that's a really important distinction. So people ask like, well, you know, should we go up to the building and serve all the time at the expense of our family at home? And again, that betrays a misunderstanding of the church. Like, no, my highest calling as a person who's in the family of God is to 
the people in the family of God who are closest to me first. And that is my nuclear family. Yeah. Right. So um, we can unpack that some more if people need need it. But that's an important point. And then fourthly, just a real bit practical point, like the church, when understanding all of this in its biblical context, the church is not here to serve my family. My family is here to serve the church. And so we in thinking about that, it becomes something and this bleeds into number five is that, look, and I would say this to somebody out there that's like, well, should we how, how involved should we be in the church? And I would say um, you're when you incorporate and graft your family into the local expression of the body of Christ, then your nuclear family becomes something that it cannot be apart from the body of Christ. And frankly, what I'm saying is your family will never be what it's intended to be until you deeply graft into the family of God. Your, your family gains uh, its, its identity in the church. It gains its, its functionality in the church. It gains its health through the church. Um, The church becomes the vehicle through which the spirit brings about making it what it's always was intended to be. That's what I would say are some of the implications. Yeah, so we want you to jump in here. So you got a yeah, question. yeah. So we had a question come in, and I think it's going to tie with some of these implications yeah, if we're going to answer it later on with Watermark Church membership specifically. Do it now. But so it says this is a direct quote. So how do you interact with brothers with totally different belief systems who are still believers in Christ? An example being charismatics. Yeah. You know, that's a great question. Um, shameless plug for one of our earlier webinars that we did where we just talked about what is central to the faith. And so one of the things that um, as Christians is really important is that we maintain the core of Christianity, which is, you know, the death and resurrection of Jesus, sort of the things, which is what we did a whole webinar on what is core to Christianity, um, which is what separates sometimes that local expression of the church is, hey, at Watermark, we have certain tenants that are different from a church down the street that we're still calling a church, that we're still calling because they hold the same core beliefs as us. But outside of those core beliefs start to become convictions and then opinions and then sort of questions. And so how we, I would say one, we always, we love them. They're our brothers. The one another still apply to them and we continue to serve them just like we serve the family. But that is a little bit of what separates why we choose to go to Watermark instead of maybe, you know, whatever down the street church might be different in their convictions. And so, which actually brings us kind of to the next point, Rob, um, is that, so, you know, you heard Nate say it's not an institution, right? It doesn't matter about Watermark. And yet every Sunday at Watermark, there's a good chance you're going to hear us say, jump in, be a member, get committed here. And so here we are saying that the the church universal is really important for brothers and sisters. And yet the church local is also very important, even though the institution is not more important than the organism. Um, why? What is church membership and why yeah. is it so important? Yeah, I think the, the only thing I'd add on to that question, Nika, that was asked by one of our listeners is, is um, you know, bear with one another from Colossians 3, I think Romans 14 and 15, that just says, which is really, hey, this person has a conviction that it's not okay to eat meat, sacrifice idol, and back and forth. And I think one of the, the key passages there, it just says, you know, let everybody be convinced of his own mind. And so, look, if you are um, someone who has a friend that's charismatic, then I, I don't want you to violate your conscience by not practicing that. Right. You know, if you feel like that's a means of grace to build other people up. Um, and so, man, I want to bear with you. I want to be patient with everyone. Like First uh, Thessalonians five fourteen says, and man, I want to love you. And I want to pray that, man, I, the Lord would open my eyes. Maybe something I missed and, and the same thing for you. So mm-hmm. I think that's, that's what I would there. Really so, great. you know, when I think about membership, and, you know, I, I would say I've come out of I'm a little bit of passion about this because um, just 
as someone who went through seminary, ended up working for, you know, Starbucks for five years. And really, I feel like that's really my God got my heart around this idea of, okay, even though I'm serving in a local church here, I really was a consumer. I wanted to take the front seat and not the back seat. You know, I felt entitled. And, um, you know, just God really convicted me about just a couple of words. Hey, your job is to serve here. And that's what Jesus talks about. You know, in the gospel mark of just the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve. And so, hey, my job as a believer is to serve and not to be served if I'm following Jesus. And the second thing is just around the word submit. And um, just said it is normal for believers to be submitted, not only to other believers, see Ephesians 521, but also leadership. So when we talk about membership, you know, um, really two primary words come to my mind in my phrase. And, um, you know, and I would argue that around those two phrases or words, there there really needs to be a high bar. One for you if you're a, just another believer and also maybe some of you are in leadership, there should be a high bar there. So really the first when we talk about membership, I think the scriptures would say it is intentionally connecting, mm-hmm. you know, whether you're in First Corinthians 12, Romans 12, you know, Ephesians 4, just this idea of gifts. First Corinthians 12, 7 said, look, each person has the manifestation of the spirit for the purpose of others. Mm-hmm. It's not for you. It's for someone else. Right. So First Corinthians 12, 12 is really a great passage as you're just trying to think through what is membership. It just says this for we were uh, for just as the body is one and has many members and all the members of the body, though, though many are one body. So it is with Christ. And so it's just aspect. If you were just going to read First Corinthians 12, what you're going to see there is that there's all these different parts of the body. And what Paul is communicating there is, look, you're a part of the body. When you have trusted Christ, you've received the spirit, which is what 1 Corinthians 12, 7 is talking about. And that spirit has gifted you along with many other things, you know, what we find in Ephesians, it sealed you as a deposit, all these other things. But what it is, is it's essentially gifted you in a way that was different from how you were gifted before you trusted Christ and received the spirit. And the whole purpose you have that gift as far as others is to build them up. And so the way I usually think about it is um, it's it's you taking your gift and saying, okay, I'm a believer with a gift and now I'm going to go connect myself with a local body. It's really important to, to just, as we read the new Testament to go, okay, every one of these books is written to a local body. The book of Romans is written to the church of Rome. And so all the one another's in there are written that church should be going, okay, we need to do this with each other. They're not thinking we need to do this with the church of Galatia mm-hmm. and, you know, pick your church, Colossae. They're thinking, okay, we've got one church here. We've got to activate and live these things out. So when you think about just the phrase of, of I'm a believer, I have the spirit, and I need to go intentionally connect myself. I need to take my gift or kind of the the words that uses our members or organs or whatever word you want to use as a synonym, and I need to go intentionally connect that to a local body of Christ. So that's the first thing. There's an intentional action around what you've been given. Now, I think why this is really important. If you're let's just say you're listening, you're not even in leadership. You're just a believer out there. Mm -hmm. The bar for membership, I, I think, should be really high. And here's why. Because you're joining a body. And um, that body is only going to be as healthy as the, the gifts around you and not the gifts around you, but people's devotion and Jesus around you. So let me give you a couple of examples. My dad, my sweet dad's 83. He had a toe amputated not too long ago. And the doctor essentially told him, you know, Bob, my dad, Bob, if you don't amputate this toe, it's, this toe is infected. and it's gonna, You're going to have to amputate your whole foot. It's going to spread. Mm. 
And um, and so, look, I, I think this really matters to you because you want to be at a church where mem- there's there's a certain level of expectation for the member versus, oh, you're a believer. Come on, be a member here. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, it, it's like, hey, if you're not committed to follow Jesus, you know, you might be the toe next over to this. Right. You've connected your toe and the guy next to your next door neighbors connected their member of that church. But they don't really want to follow Jesus. They want to play the game. And they're infected, and they're going to kill you, and they're going to kill you. <laughs> spread like you go gangrene. with the whole foot, yeah. Right, and yeah. so, so that's what we would say that um, every church has a different bar for membership. Yeah. And some people are like, hey, can you walk through the Romans Road, or um, you know, whatever your bar is, are you willing to sign this document? And I'm going, hey, if I'm going to be intentionally connected with other believers, and their job is to build me up. I don't want to be next to someone who's infected, an infected toe where it's going to kill me and kill the yeah. body. Now, look, we all have different levels of health here. And so it's not whether or not you're infected. It's do you care and do you want to get well? Yeah, yeah. Right. That's the key. And we'd also just to because I also think and this has happened around Watermark is we sometimes confuse membership with participation. Right. Yeah, and yeah. I think those are two very different things, Robin. So why don't you just yeah. unpack that? If, like, if you're if you're the toe that's infected, you're still welcome here yeah but we may but we're not going to connect you to the foot at the cost of the foot and so i think sometimes that gets confusing around church membership is people think membership means now i'm allowed to walk through the door and we would say come one come all yeah but the membership process we would say is a little different why don't you yeah i mean i think for what we're asking members to say and really sign is just go hey i want to be fully devoted to christ yeah. you know that's luke 9 23 you know if anyone would come after me he must pick up his cross deny some fall you know fall me and that's where that that where i would say what matters to every church is look you can be a member here if you're unhealthy right mm-hmm. i mean the, my wife looked at me my first year at watermark and goes you are emotionally detached mm-hmm. You know, and I um, I was still white knuckling pornography and so I was unhealthy, but I wanted to follow Christ. And so Jesus's question, though, it's not his main point. in you know, John five is, do you want to get well? The main point is like, look, you can get well, but if you're not interested in following me, you're there's much worse than just being paralyzed. But but I think it's just that's that's the aspect of the of somebody who wants to become a member is not just. Hey, I believe in Jesus, but hey, I believe in Jesus and I want to follow Jesus and be fully devoted. Yeah, yeah. And so that's really the standard we have here is, is not are you healthy, but do you want to are you serious about Jesus? You know, another illustration is just thinking about two kidneys, you know, and you intentionally connecting. And if it's, this is a great example. So if you're if you're a kidney here and you're part of the body and you're only committed to follow Jesus 50 percent of the time. Yeah. Or another way to say it is you're only committed to filter Half of waste, the, yeah, you know, half of, yeah, you're gonna kill us, yeah, so, and yourself. And look, you may be at 50%, but do you want to be at 100% mm-hmm. or 90%? So, I think the first thing is intentionally connecting, and so you know, that's why when we talk about okay, who can be a member here, you know, and that's a little bit different is is someone who um, wants to, you know, obviously is a believer, so we sit down, we listen to their testimony, someone who wants to intentionally intertwine with other believers, you know, um, and someone who wants to serve, those are all catalyst that we see every believer in the new testament is doing those things there you know so the first thing i would just say it's intentionally connecting that's what membership is you're raising your hand to a local body saying i want to be connected here usually that involves signing something or you know something like that and the second thing has to do with just the idea around shepherding and then this is where i think people like hey we you know in our postmodern culture we just don't love authority Mm. But authority is God's provision for us. You don't you know? tell us what we like and don't like. <laughs> right, right, right. Exactly. And so, you know, I remember, you know, during my point of just 
trying to figure out, you know, we've all worked under people that we didn't love doing uh, here in the secular world. Not so much here, but, you know, but I would say um, in Hebrews 13, it just says, obey your leaders and submit to them. So I just want you to stop and go. This is a command from a general epistle to all believers. So when, when, when whoever wrote Hebrews says, obey to your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls. Mm-hmm. As to those who will have to give an account, let them you know do this with joy, not with groaning, for this would be no advantage to you. So I think what I would say is, it is at, if you're a believer who is not submitted to a local authority, we would say that's best practice as elders, then you're in open rebellion. And I know that's harsh, but this is not a suggestion. This is a command, and there, are, you know, you could go to First Peter five, where there it is commanding you to be under authority and submitted to authority. So, you know, I think Matt Chandler is the one who said it. He had all these really fun ways of just kind of capturing membership, and he just said, "Look, if you believe in Christ and you and you support, meaning I serve somewhere, but you don't belong somewhere, you are a rebel." Yeah. And so, Matt, if you didn't say that, uh, yeah. forgive well, me. Well, and, yeah, and <laughs> so, just to add to that, too, like I've heard him, yeah, in talking about church membership, he sort of, you know, you do have not only in Hebrews, but you have in the in the Timothy and the Titus passages, this understanding that of, of what is expected of elders and what is expected of deacons and this understanding that the people come under them. And so he's going, hey, there's this church New Testament understanding that we are going to follow elders. And he looks at the crowd. He's like, what elders are you following? Yeah. And he's like, because there are some churches, I promise you, you don't want to be following yeah. their elders. And he goes, part of how this works out is in the local body. So you know which elders are shepherding you. And I thought right. about that. And I thought, gosh, like, you know, just to add to this question, why is church membership important? Well, frankly, it's the way in which you're able to obey some of these passages yeah. is that um, for that local expression to go, hey, I'm under nobody's authority makes you kind of go, well, well, you're kind of supposed to be, you know, yeah, I mean, that, I mean, in order to be obedient, you're kind of going, hey, yeah. you sound cool for a second there, but then you think about it, you go, I think you're outside of the the will of God here that he included, I mean, he didn't include the author of Hebrews, but he definitely included sure. the, <laughs> yeah. the book of Hebrews, and so I, I think that's so important to understand that in order, when people say, hey, I take my relationship with Jesus seriously, I just don't think I need to be a part of a church, I sit here and go, well, hang, hang on, and Jesus is the one saying, hey, if you love me, you'll yeah. obey me, the full counsel of scripture is the revelation of God. And within that, there are commands that can only be fulfilled if you're a part of yeah, a local body. Yeah. So, so I would say this about some of the things you mentioned about the disease coming and infecting the body and, and Hey, you need to come and, and uh, grow here. And cause a lot of times people come and they'll be like, okay, yeah, I guess I should do that. But uh, again, it, it infringes on their, deeply ingrained priorities sure. in which the church that yeah. again, they think of as a, as a building that you go and, and I have to serve there to keep the lights on and I have to give in order to that guy can keep his job. And again, just shows the just fundamental misunderstanding that a lot of people have. And, and I would say this too about membership, because a lot of times people will hear some costliness to it and they'll be like, man, you guys are asking too much, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. because for most people it, it literally is I'll, I'll show up, I'll pay up, you know, you say what I've, want you to say, don't get in my business and we'll right, call it right. good. And, and I would just say this is that a lot of times we think of it in terms of the cost of membership, but we don't think of it in the terms, in the cost of non-membership. Yeah. What does yeah. it cost you not to be connected to the body of Christ? Yeah. And, and it costs you spiritual disease, spiritual dysfunction, spiritual stuntedness. You cannot grow. 
apart from the body of Christ. And if you think you're growing apart from the body of Christ, then really what you're growing is just this massive tumor out the side that needs to get cut off anyway, you know? And so it's a, um, well, and I would add to that too. I think as a, you know, I lead the women's equipping here. And so there are time and time we get women in the Bible study and then they hit a moment of crisis. It wasn't their own, um, they might, they might be devoted to the Lord, but then suddenly, you know, financial something hits them or a death in the family or, and sort of the, the benefit of being a part of a local church, the, the benefit of having a place to have a funeral, the benefit of having a place to be married, the benefit of having a place that will financially support your community to rally around you. And suddenly they're like, oh gosh, I am on an island. And so, I mean, I'm begging the women, I'm like, before you get to that moment yeah, of crisis yeah. that maybe you didn't even bring on yourself. And we sometimes have this arrogance of like, yeah. well, I don't have a tumor. And I'm like, you might not. I mean, yeah. I think you might have a small one that you don't realize you have, sure. <laughs> but you are in essence, and when that moment hits, I mean, I'm so grateful that if, if today crisis struck, there are seven girls in my life yeah. that are committed to me that would be able to rally around. And I think that we talk a lot about the cost, but we don't, we forget there's a, there's a huge perk. It's not just, I mean, right. and when you consider yeah. the benefit of church membership, the, the cost starts to diminish a little bit. There. And, it, and it's more costly. It's more costly yeah, it's not a, to. It's like life insurance. I mean, it, I, it costs a little yeah. bit now, but it's going to cost a lot totally. more. Later. I mean, Rob, you, you spoke at Watermark this last yeah. Sunday and talked about this right. very thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, just in closing, I think um, membership at the core is raising your hand and saying, I want to be intentionally connected here. And then two, I want to be shepherded here. Mm -hmm. And the benefits are in following. I mean, it's hard to go, hey, if Jesus commanded this, then there's a benefit to it. Mm -hmm. And it's he's not trying to rip you off here. And so, you know, I think about authority is God's provision. You know, in Acts, when when he says when he goes back to he meets with the elders of Ephesus and he's like, look. When I 2028, he's like, when I leave here, wolves are going to come in here Mm. to try to Mm. destroy. And so it's this aspect of, man, elders are the shepherds Mm. that can identify people that look, think they're sheep that are wolves and and vice versa. So there's a provision there. There's a protection. And so, um, you know, I I think at the end of the day, it's raising your hand and saying, I want to be shepherded and cared for. And I want to intentionally connect here, Nate. I think about the army, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like, hey, at the end of the day, there's a commander in chief, right? Christ is the head of the body, right? But but downline, there are for every single platoon, for every single chain command, right? Yeah. There's a chain, of, and there's people that oversee and protect mm-hmm. and know more information yeah. than the people below them. That's right. And um, so I think the best illustration was Todd's, which is the cow heart, if you were around us on Sunday. And you've got to start thinking of yourself. If you're not a member of a body, essentially what you are is you are a organ, whatever it is, and you are connected. And if you, we all know if you're around medicine, if you don't have blood flow going to something, if you're not connected. If you're disconnected, you're going to wither and die. Yeah. And so I, I think that's a great illustration of go. It's not just dememberment. It's mm-hmm. you've never connected right. and there's no blood flow going in. Right. You're, it's a matter of time. Right. What if you think you're the appendix? Because sometimes I. <laughs> so so look, we have about ten minutes yeah. left. Let's let's talk about what some practicalities here. Like what what should church membership look like? What? Or specifically, let's get into watermark yeah, as well. Yeah, you yeah, mentioned, yeah. you know, you mentioned, hey, so you know, in a, in a community group, you're willing to, you know, you are Submitting a believer, right? Submitting yourself to carry correction. Yourself, carry correction. Yeah. But then we also have this, this four B. So let's talk about all of that of just sort of yeah. why why Watermark does it the way that we do it. Yeah. So a lot of it, it has to do with like the elders, right? And so they're the ones that are going to have to give an account in a different way than you and I are going to have to give an account. We're going to have to give it away for how we loved each other. They're going to have to give an account for the sheep, which mm-hmm. is very different than than us in the room today. And so I think, you know, on every church, you got to go, okay, 
do I feel that weight of that? Mm-hmm. And then two, what's the best way for us as elders, and I'm not one, but us as elders to be able to give an account? And that's where um, I would say elders do not have a choice whether or not they're going to you know, shepherd the flock, they do have a choice on how they're going to do it. Yeah. And so, you know, we would look at the Jethro principle out of Exodus where Moses is overwhelmed and they're going, okay, you got to break this thing down into groups of 10 is essentially how far it gets broken down. And every group of 10 will have somebody over them. And our elders, they, the choice they make on how they're going to shepherd really is through community groups. We would say community groups are the vehicle through which we shepherd the members here. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, our bar for membership, remember, it has to do with raising your hand saying, I, I want to be shepherded. So the way we actually shepherd you is through a closed group of people. Doesn't people don't come in and out where everybody in that group knows, OK, I'm here to walk deeply with Jesus and to help keep I'm, I'm your accountability partner. Yeah. And um, so that's one way. And I would say. Our 4B form really has to do with that second piece of membership, which is our, it's just every year the body of Christ raising their hand, taking 10 minutes a year. And I time it every year because people are like, I don't have time to do that. <laughs> and I'm going, OK, I did it. And I had to answer more questions than you probably do. And it took me nine minutes and yeah, 45 minutes. Yeah, yeah. And so the 4B really is our membership goes to zero every year here, which is very abnormal. But I think it's very biblical. Because in the way you re-say it, the membership goes up to whatever it goes up to is when people, members take their 4B form, which is a spiritual assessment that takes under 10 minutes. <laughs> so and, if you're listening yeah, and you right, haven't done it, you have until January it. 21st. It to took Nika an hour because she prayed and fasted. Yeah. And, yeah. You know. Well, yeah, I kept deleting my answers. <laughs> yeah. Nika paid me to do her. Yeah, that's true. I actually haven't done it in five I'm years, so kidding. it does mine. I'm just kidding. No, no, no. Sorry. That 4B form, <laughs> you know, it ends with, um, hey, mm. here's what here's what you've agreed to. Yeah. And do you want to be shepherded for the 2017 is kind of always the last question. So you check that box and that allows us, that's where you just kind of re-raise your hand and say, Hey, I want to be shepherded here. That's kind of how we do that. And really we just go, okay, if you're fully devoted to Christ and you want to be a member, what are the things people that are following Christ do? Well, they serve here. So we ask you serve somewhere that could be one hour a month, but it's, Hey, are you using your gifts to build up the body, whatever capacity, you know, are you in a, Close group of people so we can shepherd you through those group of people. Are you taking your 4B form, which is just a spiritual assessment where you're re-upping every year? And, you know, have you sat down with somebody and given their testimony? You know, and it's crazy um, how many people trust Christ when they're like, hey, no, I'm a believer and I want to be a member here. When we actually sit down with them, they're still living with a Jesus plus their works mm-hmm. in order to be saved. And we just got to go, hey, that's a false gospel. Yeah, right. So really, that's kind of our bar for membership is are, are you willing to do the three or four catalysts that we see believers doing in the New Testament? Which are those things? So yeah. just as a community director, because I do think you have an up close. Uh, how, how have you seen? I mean. Obviously, you see the benefit of that, right? So any any stories, anecdotes, whatever, of just people who have kind of sat on the sidelines for a while, and then when they finally entered into it, saw this growth that we that we believe is part of why Jesus said get into it. And so just any stories. Yeah, just, I mean, I mean the, the stories of people that were on the sideline and crisis hits, and they've just got nobody yeah. around them are just out there all over the place. Yeah. Um, and, and vice versa, the stories of people that are in community and crisis hits are all over the place. So I— I'm trying to think of specific examples, but I just feel like we hear all the time of just going, well, we only have to look at the data from our 4B form yeah. every year. You know, we get 5,000 pieces of data where, where believers will say, 
consistently, I mean, it's not even close that if you're in community, you would say your marriage is better than it was a year ago. And so we have hard statistics that would tell yeah. us, hey, we are in engaged in God's word more than we were a year ago because of community. Hey, we are sharing our faith more because we're in community. Yeah. And so, you know, we you just, you know, the football, just, hey, film doesn't lie. You know, mm-hmm. we would all say, Nate and I play football. And just, hey, the film is the eye in the sky, and it doesn't lie. <laughs> yeah. and we would just say. Which I didn't make that blog. <laughs> right. yeah. Even when you wanted to. Yeah. yeah. Even, and so we would just say, we've got 5,000, 8,000 pieces of data every year that where our members or even non-members who are taking that 4B just because they want to take a spiritual assessment without being a member here, there's a very clear distinction of those who are disciplining them, themselves for the purpose of godliness through the means of community yeah. with people who aren't. Which that's what, I love that. That's what you brought. I mean, because I think that's what, as, as believers, so many times when Jesus tells us to do something, then we have to trust that it's for our own good. And sometimes we're skeptical, right? I mean, sometimes we're just like, eh. And so what we've always been taught is that, hey, truth is going to stand up on its own, regardless of how you feel about it. If it's true that it's better for us, then we should be able to see that there is transformative power in the context of community within the local body of the church. And here we are saying, yeah, we see that. And vice versa, when you're not in a community in the local body of the church, we do see a little bit of a regression. And, And so I think that's where, as believers, Jesus is telling us to do this. And then we see how it's to our own benefit and just the love and the care that he instituted this church, this family of God, when he left us and sent his spirit down to be with us, this was the means by which we would continue to be made more like him. And you think, what a gift. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he left us with family. He didn't leave us with a to-do list, a, a measuring stick, anything else. He left us with family. And the more we enter into that family, the more we become like our precious Savior. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's kind of like Leslie and I. My wife's got the gift of mercy. If you know me, I have the that's my lowest rated gift. <laughs> and it's just the more I'm around her, mm-hmm. you know, we've been together, married for 15 years now. I have become more merciful yeah. being around her. You know, I've got two girls in my community group that they are, their gift is evangelism. And it's like, I, I need to grow in that area. And mm-hmm. when I'm around them, it, it grows. It has to, yeah. you know, because their gifts, their evangelism is not for them. It's for non-believers and for me. Yeah. yeah. And so anyway. Yeah. And I would say too, uh, that for uh, community has that effect. I mean, there's always that, that uh, people in the community groups who just don't naturally gel together, you know, and it's our natural tendency is to be like, well, I got to move over here and then I don't gel over here. So I got to move over here. And there's a great little quote um, from the book I mentioned earlier, where it just said, a person does not grow up by running from family to family. You know, mm. there's a stick, there's a stick to itness. If I could create a word that that's really important, I think we're, we're, we are fiercely loyal to people and even the, especially the people who are sandpaper yeah, for us true. because it's, re, it's a refining work. You hear you that know? community? You're welcome. Yeah. Yeah. Sandpaper. Yeah. It's <laughs> a, and, and that's, and, and Jesus is doing that and we don't, it's not optional. You can't go um, somewhere else. Like this is your family, just like your brother that you love, but drives you crazy yeah. or your sister, <laughs> but, that, he's your brother. <laughs> but, but he's your brother and, yeah. and our loyalty is there. Not, not because of, he just happens to be that person. There, there's a way that we're intricately tied to one another, that, that we're, we're truly interwoven together into this new f- uh, organism that is the family of God Yeah, yeah. that, that Christ has called us. All right, Rob, you got to listen at home. Maybe they're not a member. They're still trying to decide what's your what's your last piece of advice for them. I would just implore you to go be connected somewhere, mm. and um, 
and just go, okay, what do I want to settle with? You can go online and just search for Watermark Covenant. And I think that'd just be a good place to start. I'm just going, what should my expectations be of a church I'm joining? And you're going to see like there are very different expectations. And and I think it. I would just implore you once again, the expectations should be high. And so mm-hmm. I would just say this is not an option if you're a believer. There's no Lone Ranger Christian. Mm-hmm. There's no Lone Ranger in the Army. Mm-hmm. It's just a, that's called a dead or decaying to, to dying believer. And so I would just implore you, what does Scripture say about being submitted to elders and leadership? So I, I would just look at it as going, hey, this might be the next area you need to grow in in your walk with Christ. So put every other thing you want to do with Jesus on hold until you do this one thing. Mm-hmm. Cause you know, I always say, look, if you know, you're not being obedient in an area, don't read any more of God's word, <laughs> you know, and we're, this is the equipping team until you do that one thing. Yep. That's, good. Yeah, that's really good, man. Well, Rob, thanks for your time, dude. Yeah. I really great appreciate to be here. it. Yeah. We lo- love, if love, you. If you haven't done your 4B, you. <laughs> you only have a couple of days till. Yeah. And I would, yeah, I would say too. I mean, uh, yeah, it's a good reminder. It's one of the reasons we did this webinar in January because uh, at broadly as a local church, we're talking about membership. We're talking about community. So if you do need to take those steps, there's membership classes you can check out. Like Rob said, you can get on our website and type in uh, membership covenant. And, and, and if you're listening to us from somewhere else, I would just encourage you, man, find a, a church that's faithful to God, fears him and is faithful to his word and go deeply connect there. So from the Watermark webinar studio, yeah. um, we, we uh, just thank you for your time. We'll, we'll be uh, right back here next month. And then you can go on watermark.org forward slash equipping webinar and, and listen to past ones. We mentioned a couple of them here. We encourage you to do that. But we hope you guys have a great weekend and we'll see you next time.